Hello and welcome to Dazed and Gucci present Gucci Gig, a new collaboration exploring the power of performance with pioneering music artists. I'm Lakin Imani Starling, a music and culture writer, and I'm here today with Kelsey Liu. Kelsey Liu is a magical live performer and cellist with a vibrant catalog of her own music, as well as a host of collaborations with artists like Blood Orange, Solange, and Sampha. To see her perform on stage is breathtaking. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, Lou. Thanks for having me. Yes. Pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. So before we get started, uh, we're going to listen to the live performance you just recorded in New York. Can you introduce it for us? Yeah. um, It's a song of mine that I wrote actually some time ago, years ago. Um, But it's always kind of been on my back burner. Mm -hmm. Um, And recently it's, it's just kind of resurfaced in my life. In a way that I've been performing it again. So yeah, it's called a uh, morning dew. Tell me, why did you choose to perform Morning Dew for this project? I think I chose it because, like I said, it's it's a song that has existed for a while. And in knowing that I was going to shoot this in New York, it's a song that I wrote in New York around this time of year. And, you know, I'm big on reflecting on the past and things like that. And... A lot of things like relationships, old relationships have been resurfacing in my life. It kind of got me thinking about how I left those things, the way that I viewed them or felt about them, how I processed those emotions when they were happening. And when I wrote this song, it was in one of those processes. I felt really weak when I was in that relationship and the sort of message of strength and vulnerability as a woman in this video, it seemed fitting for me to have that message of strength with a song that is so vulnerable. So can you just take us back a little and talk us through like your personal history with performance? So I've been performing my whole life. My parents were both musicians, and so music was around the house. My mom played piano, not as like their profession, but my dad, my dad's an artist, a portrait artist, so he had a studio at the house, and he used to play percussion. So he always had like congas and stuff and bongos in his studio. And so he would be listening to music while like framing things or like making portraits, and then he would 
just be like play along to some Fela Kuti or something mm-hmm. or like Tierra Puente and you'd like start playing and then I had like my little easel in his studio so I would be like performing at my easel <laughs> the tender age <laughs> at of. the tender age of three <laughs> and then my sister my older sister she decided she wanted to play violin and then I was like I want to play violin too and so then that led me on to playing classical music so I grew up playing classically I kind of switched around, started off violin, then went to piano, and then went back to violin because I wanted to be in an orchestra. And then I switched to cello, and cello was like my sole instrument. When did you switch to cello? I switched to cello uh, around the age of nine. So early. Yeah. I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I Yeah, I knew. I grew up going to the symphony a lot. That was like my exposure to like live concerts it's <laughs> <laughs> like going to the symphony and uh and I just I don't know I really loved I was attracted to the cello section there's something about the physicality of putting your arms around the instrument mm-hmm. and then people swaying with it and it seemed like the most physical of them aside from like bass I also loved watching timpani players too and then when I was in my violin lesson the te- my teacher had one propped up against the window and and I just I don't know I drew to love it I thought that everyone like in orchestra I was like everybody loves it right like (laughs) (laughs) other kids are just like I'm just doing this for credit I'm like what like don't you love to practice and they're like no No. (laughs) but it's also where it's just like I mean for me like the only reason why I could have private lessons and stuff was because my dad would trade, usually like his portraits he would trade because we didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so we couldn't afford private lessons mm-hmm. or like getting nice instruments and stuff like that. It was a real joy. And like my parents knew that, you know. And so he was like, all right, like using my art to support the other art. And then... Performing in other ways came later. Well, I came out as a singer in high school. And, you know, the old uh, talent show came <laughs> around. And uh, I was like, I'm an audition. And no one knew you could sing before? No. I told my mom, I was like, I'm an audition for the talent show this year. She was like, are you going to play your cello? I was like, no, I'm going to sing. She laughed on my face. She laughed because the last thing she remembered, at least like seeing wise, was when we were at Carowinds, which is this amusement park in North Carolina. And I had a karaoke moment with Waiting for Tonight with Jennifer Lopez. and The jam. You know, mm-hmm. and... I practiced. I mean, I knew that song backwards <laughs> and forwards. And then when it came up, I knew it was a different key. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't know at the time that karaoke songs are in a different key because they can't be in the same key because of rights or whatever. Right. whatever. So it's just slightly off. My little ears were not prepared for that. <laughs> and so I just stood frozen staring at the screen. And then I was like, this exactly. is not what I practice. This mm-hmm. is not. No. So it was a disaster. <laughs> I was like, never seen one anyone ever again. And then, 
you know, junior year of high school rolls around. I was like, I'm going to sing at last by Eddie James. And she was like, okay, go, go sing it for me. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they knew I could sing. But then I, I wasn't like, I'm going to be a singer. Mm-hmm. In the back of my mind, it was like, yeah, it's a dream to be a singer. But I, it wasn't like, this is what I'm going to be. I didn't know. And then when I left home and I went to school for for music, for cello, um, everything in my life kind of turned around and like upside down. And then I was not happy with school and didn't feel like my it was my place there at the time. And so I left school and just started working at a, at a restaurant. And then I met some locals mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, you play cello? Well, we're rappers and we're looking for a cellist. And so then I got with some local musicians and then I started going to the studio and like singing with rappers. And then I started doing my own thing. And then, you know, one thing led to the other, blah, blah, blah. Then I'm right. to New York and then I'm performing and then performing more, mm-hmm. more bigger crowds. Okay. So you're at this point where you're a full entire Mm -hmm. artist talk to me about the process of creating your debut album blood and like um how's it been even taking that on the road and performing Mm -hmm. that on stage that was a process Mm -hmm. it took me three years to make it and i feel like it was just the right amount of time for me personally Mm -hmm. the process was it was just not really linear which is great because i don't we work in time very well mm-hmm. um, there were failures within it and moments where I thought that it was going to be one thing and then it ended up not being that thing at all I feel like all, all of those moments are just really important lessons what were the lessons? Um, to trust your instincts mm-hmm. To listen to that voice that's in the back of your head, that it's there for a reason. Right. And so, like, so performing this album, mm. how is that? Yeah, that's been incredible. Mm-hmm. It's been really fun experimenting with different ways to perform it. Um, like, when it first came out, I, I had string section, like, guitar, bass, and... I think I have, it was like a seven-piece band. Mm, wow. And that was so fun. I mean, it was like a dream, you know? And going from usually just being myself to that many people, I was like, ooh, now I'm like, oh, I'm conducting <laughs> yeah. in this new way. And I was like, it was hard for me to get, like when I went to the first rehearsal, it was hard for me to get through the songs because I was just like wanting to cry because I was mm. like hearing everything. Actually, before it was seven, it was the first time that I had the album performed it was a private performance and it was all strings. And that was actually, I cried, I cried on that one when I first heard, when I first heard it played in that way. Mm-hmm. Cause that is a dream come true. Like having my songs performed in like a full, like string ensemble setting. And then it kind of ended up with it being a three piece, okay. me and two other players. And then sometimes I would perform on my own just with backing tracks so it was interesting to and fun and and also nice to know that it can evolve and it can morph into these different 
avenues of the way that I express each song, the way that it's interpreted musically mm -hmm. by each player that's involved or just myself. Has your approach of your performance style on stage changed since you released the album? Because you released it last year. Since I released it, I've been gathering and thinking of how conceptually I want to perform the record. Mm -hmm. It has such a storyline to it, which is not really linear, but it's definitely starting from a place but it's kind of moving through different spaces. And I have it in my mind when I sequence the record, but then over time, like finding the groove um, and finding the right harmony within like certain players that I've been with. Then I was able to conceptualize the visual aspect of it and then I also saved up enough money to actually execute <laughs> that part, <laughs> That part, you know? Yes. Because money yeah. is a part of it all. If you, like me, want to have <laughs> a stage filled with dirt and want to do a complete cast of your entire body so you have a body double that's levitating on stage and you want to have certain lighting directions and you want to have a backdrop and you know and you went for costume changes and things like that those things cost money right so uh yeah my vision on how <laughs> I wanted to tell the overall story of the album and have that happen was something that I was like a goal that I wanted to achieve. Um, I definitely want to bring into this year. It's more of a theatrical performance than just a show where things are back to back. Yeah, it's a it's a whole play. Um, I feel like well, we talked about cello, but let's just mm -hmm. like talk about it. Um, a bit more just in terms of the role that playing an instrument plays within like your identity as mm. an individual, as an artist, as a performer. Mm. Yeah. It's a pretty integral role mm -hmm. for me because playing an instrument is where it all started. Um, more than singing, mm -hmm. it started with an instrument and for me, the cello really kind of informs where I'm going to go vocally when I'm writing. And mostly when I'm writing songs, it starts on some sort of instrument, whether it's guitar, piano, or cello. And when I chose Morning Dew for this film was a sort of reason because it's something that's just vocal and guitar. And another reason why I kind of wanted to resurface it and probably have been resurfacing it in my shows is because the album Blood is using more production than I, than I have before. And while I've been loving like the freedom of being on stage and performing Blood with, while just like singing, it's allowing this new 
performative freedom that I didn't have before of being able to step away from the instrument and like get lost in the music by relying and like trusting in these players. We never play the song the same way twice because I trust them as their own like genius musicians of of themselves to interpret it in the moment of how they feel. And that is also brought in an element of jazz where it's channeling of something and you're just trusting in the feeling and the moment and the energy. And so that's been really beautiful. But within that, I like also love to hold an instrument. So then I brought, you know, so then I brought Morning Dew back in Mm -hmm. because of that craving of holding that instrument and playing it and knowing that holding something and playing it while singing informs both both of the right. those things those emotions like vibrate along the same frequency for me what is the difference between lou on stage and off stage <laughs> well <laughs> not really much i mean uh, i think more mysterious on stage and serious and I'm able to just kind of go inside and channel whatever I'm channeling on stage so I'm in this sort of like catacomb of I guess reflection um but also presence which I guess is what my everyday life is (laughs) anyways um and then I'll have moments of goofiness when I like have my, what is it called? Um, banter. I've had a lot of fun with my banter. I did like a Europe run and it was my first time performing the record in Europe. And it was amazing. Like all the shows were sold out and everyone who came knew the music and had either already been fans since church or were new fans, but knew to come and be present. And everyone was just respectful and like, it was quiet. It was so quiet. And then I would have to break that. (laughs) You know, I'd be like performing. I'd be really in the moment. And then I'd reach over and pick up my cheeseburger (laughs) off of my fruit stand and start eating it that I'd had from soundcheck. That was really just like important for me to have, to be able to be, have everyone's presence and everyone be present and, and like the silence of attentiveness and everyone being in that moment but also like necessary to laugh like right. if you're if you're gonna be here and you gotta know me we're learning about each other like I'm goofy right. and I love being silly like we also gotta laugh like giggle a little bit yeah yeah do you ever feel nerves or where do you go if to combat with those feelings if you ever have them I definitely have them. Um, uh, I'll meditate. Sometimes I'll meditate. Um, just do like breathing exercises and trust that the people who are there, they're there for a reason. And so are you. I mean, there's definitely been times where, you know, I'm on stage and I'm feeling really frustrated. 
um, because I feel like the energy that I'm getting is not here. Mm-hmm. Like I can't tell when I'm looking at this person if they're feeling anything back towards me and I'm like giving my all. Right. And in those moments, I'll just be frustrated and that's just what it is. And then that kind of gives me more angst, which makes it more emotional. So then mm-hmm. I'm probably overall it's, it's better. But <laughs> yeah. I'd say every time that that's happened, once I've gotten off of stage and I'm frustrated and I'm like, that was terrible. My bandmates or whoever is there with me will be like, that was amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Or I'll get off and then the crowd will be like, ah! (laughs) And I'm like, what (laughs) did I miss? Like, what? What is... So Mm -hmm. when I'm like frustrated... Or I'm like, what is happening? I have to like check myself mm-hmm. and um, remind myself of the last time that I felt that way and the last time before that. And each time has just been wrong. But, you know, it's also like it's silence. But then if you hear mm, or like, a, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I want that. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the good ones. Those That's are the, the good, good ones. Right. Those are the good ones. I love that. Yeah. That that can always exist. Always yeah. want that. Yeah. When I went to go see, um, I saw Joanna Newsom mm-hmm. perform, and I was mmming and ah ah yeah uh uh-uh. uh uh-huh. like yeah girl, and I was the only one doing that. But that's also something that just comes from black people. It's also is. It's interesting because my fan base is so wide. Yeah. Which I love because I've grown to be able to hear that even when that's not audibly there. Mm -hmm. I've, I've grown to be able to feel that. And when I'm doubting whether it's being heard or what I'm doing is being felt, is to remind myself that even if I'm questioning that there, Mm -hmm. knowing that that exists outside of that place. Yeah. So this last year, you've been performing everywhere. The Tate in London, um, you were in Thailand. How does it feel to be able to do that? Like to take your music across the world, across stages Mm -hmm. across the world and perform for fans live in such a global way? Yeah, it feels like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel so lucky to be able to do what I do, to go all the way across the world and be hosted by people I've never met before that are like, we want to bring you all the way over here because there are fans over on the side that will buy tickets to come see you perform. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. It keeps me alive. It keeps me going. Yeah. And it keeps me wanting to keep doing it. And also, like, I get bored easily with myself. So in performing these shows, I'm, like, thinking about what it's going to be like the next time I'm there. Like what I want to perform, what new things I want to bring and new energy and new songs. And all of it is just really inspiring. So da 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 da
thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. For coming and like sharing. This was very wonderful. Bye. Bye. <laughs>